How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Barely There podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Barely There Pod. I'm Duke Coffin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke. As always, joined by Lucas Perfetti. Follow him at Lucas Perfetti46. We are less than a week away from the NFL draft. It is flown. The process is almost over. We are going to finally see what the Chicago Bears are going to do on draft day after drafting or after trading away the first overall pick for the ninth pick. Um, but before we get into it, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, like the video if you like what you're hearing. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you want to listen to us. If you listen on a large rock or boulder, Google Play is also the move. Um, just be sure to uh, hit us with a rating. Be sure to like, comment, anything. Be sure to join the live chat if you haven't already. We are going to be doing a huge live stream throughout the course of the NFL draft. I don't know if we're going to do the final rounds per se we'll see how we'll see how froggy we're feeling but um the first second third probably fourth round for sure but anyway lucas we are less than a week away um i know you have literally just mock drafted yourself to death you've probably drafted a combination of every single type of player at this point um if you were running numbers you might be you know under arrest or at least under suspicion for counting or for encryption i don't know there's a lot of different things uh we could probably get you under if we really wanted to look deep enough but lucas how you doing buddy uh i'm great man i'm great i'm glad we are culminating here we have our draft party coming up uh which we had a lot of fun on it last time if you if you want to join please you're you're more than welcome to we'll send you the link um just kind of bullshit the whole time i i enjoyed it thoroughly last time we we fucked around a lot um you know if you're just sitting watching the draft at home not doing anything like we will be Come and join us. Have some fun. Um, but other than that, man, I'm pretty pumped up. It's culminating. I feel this weird sense of calm now that, like, I mean, Twitter has gone crazy. Everyone's arguing about who the best tackle is and scheme fits and all that other jazz. So, I mean, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as far as, like, the Twitter stuff goes and really just, like, the fan base beating each other over the head about – who we're going to draft, who the best tackle is, whether or not we should draft a guy like Jalen Carter because he's a, you know, basket case, whatever you want to refer to. We've dug deep enough into that. But, like, I try – I just – I feel like I've done a really good job this season of staying out of it because normally I'm right there. Normally I'm the one kind of, like, starting the arguments, jumping in and being like, no, you're you're an idiot. This – well, I don't – I don't actually do that. But regardless, I'm usually in the the arguments and – just with how nasty some people on Bears Twitter get, man, I've just tried, tried to kind of take a step back. I've seen a lot of good points, seen a lot of good arguments, but uh, I feel like I do a good job of formulating my own opinion by kind of just seeing what I see. You know what I mean? I don't want to be influenced too much one way or the other because, you know, Bears Twitter decides they love Paris Johnson this week and they love Broderick Jones the next week. And then Bears Twitter all of a sudden will fall back in love with Will Anderson because they think somehow he'll fall to us. You know what I mean? Just a lot of different stuff that just kind of pops in and out. I I saw Barstool tweeted a couple weeks or like I think it was last week about the potential of the Bears drafting Anthony Richardson to trade away Justin Fields. And I'm like, yeah. This is exactly why I'm not staying plugged in because that is just absurd. You know, um, DJ said that too. My guy, DJ, which it, really it got spun out of proportion, right? Like he pretty much said the conversation has happened already for sure. Um, you made the decision to 
say Justin Fields is your guy, or at least has shown you enough to feel comfortable to trade back and get a, get a haul and miss out on the quarterback that you want um, in order to, to keep going with Justin Fields to build around him. Right. So that was a big point that he was trying to stress is like, now things have changed. You already got the haul. So if someone like Anthony Richardson was a smidgen above what you think Fields is, you got to consider resetting the rookie window, right? Like if Richardson was the guy they wanted all along or say it was Stroud, um, that's who graded out the best. And now it's there at nine. And it's like, well, you already got the hall. You already have DJ Moore. You can also reset the clock and get capital for fields. Like that's a conversation that has happened. He was like, do I think that'll happen? No, but it has happened already. That scenario has come up. I think it's a reasonable, like, like, dude, like we talked about earlier, if you're a responsible GM, you're going to kind of have those discussions. It could have come up and they were like, no, we don't like these guys enough. Maybe if young falls, which is very unlikely, we'll consider it like did their due diligence. Cause they had to already vet all the quarterbacks, right? Like they had to already look through every single quarterback in order to trade from that one spot. So they've done their homework. Um, so if you got a guy that's graded pretty high or close to what fields is like, it can be your guy. You could reset the window. And in theory, I understand what he's saying. I, do, does anyone think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But like, I don't know, you know, anything's possible on draft night. Well, you know, and I think, I think if you're a GM dude, you, you have to do your due diligence on all this stuff. Like you're, you're doing yourself a disservice by not, you know what I mean? That, that's like, I feel like I brought up, one of us brought up the, uh, the argument about like Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? You could, GM could sit there and be comfortable with Josh Rosen and be like, oh, well, I'm not even going to look into Kyler Murray because I feel like we have that quarterback. But, like, I guarantee you the second Arizona saw what Kyler Murray was and they saw they had the pick to go get him, it's like it was a no-brainer. Um, so you need to be able to do your due diligence like that. And, you know, in a sense, and I feel like Poles has kind of ran this plan all along, I don't think he wants anybody's job to feel too safe. You know what I mean? I feel like there's still a lot to be proven with this football team. And, you know, I have to give Poles credit on that end. And honestly, I feel like this is a draft that if he if he maneuvers this draft correctly and Poles really has two two good to great drafts in a row, I'm feeling pretty high about where the Bears are and I'm feeling pretty high on what Ryan Poles has planned for the future. You know, I really do. Um, and I'm a guy who, you know, I mean, honestly, both of us on this podcast have probably been a little critical of him, but I, I think we for good reason. But I think if he maneuvers this draft correctly, he already made the awesome, a really good haul for the first overall pick. If you were to move out of nine and even gather more draft capital to really get like two to three day one starters, like you're you're in really good shape there. Especially if you like see that a guy is dropping. Um, How much would everyone lose their fucking mind if Arizona ended up trading back from three and got like the same that the Bears got? Like, how much would everyone lose their mind? I almost want it to happen just to see everyone shit bricks. To be like, I told you it wasn't enough. I told you they didn't get enough because <clears throat> we discussed it already. It was a fair haul, right? Like, depending on how you yeah. want to value DJ Moore, but I think it was appropriate value. I don't think anyone got uh, bent over, right? Like, I don't think anyone got screwed, but I think it was fair enough. So, I don't know. Someone, One of my buddies said that to me. I thought it was funny. Well, you know, I think, I think honestly, the best way to put it is like people get froggy on draft day. They get frog, they get really froggy the closer you get to draft day. And I said from the beginning with Ryan Paul's, like, I kind of wanted him to hold that pick for a little bit longer than he did. Not necessarily, I, I don't dislike the, 
the return we got at all. I think DJ Moore is going to be a stud. I think he's the type of receiver you want in an offense with a guy like Justin Fields, you know, that can kind of, uh, you know, set the edge, do different things for you, you know, as well as being able to run out of the backfield, get downfield, win jump balls. There's a lot of stuff that DJ well DJ Moore does really well that compares the receivers that Justin Fields had at Ohio State. But, you know, I do also think there's something to be said about holding on to that pick until like even two a day or two before the draft. Just really let people not know what the hell you're doing and uh, really drive up that price. You know, I, I feel like Poles maybe showed his hand a little bit early and I think he might have saw a great deal. Didn't think he would get more than that and kind of pulled the trigger on it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, maybe he wouldn't have got more than what he got. But I think when you see a draft like this, especially with the Carolina Panthers who are debt, who were desperate for a quarterback and they would have probably got like, you know, the rest, the bottom of the barrel by nine, if they would have stuck there, um, they could have got even more aggressive, you know, we, but we don't know that that's where we get into hypotheticals. That's where we're never going to really know. But genuinely, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody overpaid for the second pick or the third pick. Um, you know, I think there are teams in the middle of the of the round that would be willing to move up for a quarterback. And I think Washington is one that you really have to watch, man. I think they're a team that not only is looking to clean, cleanse the stench of Dan Snyder, but kind of get the fan base back on their side and get a quarterback that they can buy into. And that's nothing against Sam Howell. I will always say how much I like Sam Howell. Like, that's just yeah, – I, I think he's a guy who can be a, a good NFL quarterback, whether it's starting or not. But – um there are teams in there who are going to get aggressive. You know, I look at, look at how we look at how we maneuvered to get Justin Fields. You know, there's, there's going to be that team that's going to be sitting even potentially at nine, you know, and that's why I think if our guy isn't at nine, we shouldn't fall in love with like just sitting and picking just for the sake of it. Well, and I don't know if it's smoke screen, smoke screens or not, but it does seem like if, if there's a wild card to start slipping, it's going to be Stroud and supposedly Richardson's going to get slotted up there. Um, you know, Houston might not take a, a quarterback at number two overall, but might be interested at 12. I don't know how much I believe that, right? Like how much of this is a smoke screen. We're so close, but like to touch on the part, you know, where you were going into, if we held on to the pick, would we have gotten more? I'm okay. Not knowing. Um, I think it's a, a risk mitigating move. Do I think we could have gotten more? Sure. Right. Like if, if someone fell in love with Bryce Love, Bryce Young more realistically, I think if one of these guys, which it seems like it's Bryce Young, has kind of separated themselves the most. I think you you could have gotten more. And that has happened through the process. Um, but I don't know, man. I just I just feel like it's a it's a risk mitigating move. You don't need to move with risk right now. Um, the Bears aren't a, a Super Bowl contender, so seeing that and jumping on it, I'm okay with it. Right. Like, I think they, like we've said, I, I think they got appropriate value. Um, and I'm okay with trading when he did, I would have liked to seen him trade down, not all the way to nine. So we can do get like another hall hall, um, on draft day. If one of these other quarterbacks that someone fell in love with like a Stroud, uh, cause I think that's going to be the similarity, right? If someone like Stroud slips to nine, we're going to get a haul like, like the bears gave up for Justin Fields. Cause Justin Fields was the clear number two. You could even put him number one over Lawrence coming out of that draft. And it's been that way with Stroud and, and young. Um, and it's just like, if he slips, that's the guy that's going to get you the gem. Right. Um, that was, that was the guy that it was like, what are you guys doing? All the analysts are looking at it. Like what the fuck is going on? Um, so I think if Stroud falls to nine, you would get a pretty decent haul. So 
I don't know, man. I just, I just feel like I'm okay with him pulling the trigger when he did. Well, you know, and it's funny you bring up Stroud because I'm actually under the impression, and because I know obviously two weeks ago, if you had asked us where Stroud was going, it would be number one to Carolina because it sounded like Carolina really fell in love with him. Obviously, now it kind of seems like that's starting to turn into the Bryce Young conversation. I feel like they're starting to look a little bit deeper into who that guy is. And, you know, potentially that could be a smokescreen as well. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to – I don't know what Carolina is trying to do, honestly, but it, it, it's good that they're doing their due diligence. But I would be shocked, personally, if if Jim Ursay lets C.J. Stroud fall past four. Like, I think I think Ursay wants a quarterback bad. I think he's trying to play the, the mind games right now. And I think he'll take either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, whichever one's going to fall. I don't think either of those guys fall past four for that reason alone. Um, Stroud, obviously, you know, you're going to get peaks and valleys throughout the entire draft process. But um, Indy wants their guy. And it, I just, I think that's going to be, unless, unless somebody trades with Arizona kind of out of the blue, you know, because we do have to remember with the, with the Mahomes draft when the Chiefs trade up for him, nobody really saw the Chiefs trading that fuck trading up to go grab him. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of a team that was set at quarterback. They're paying Alex Smith a fuck ton of money. So like it, it was a situation where everybody was kind of taken, taken aback. Do we see something like that similar this year? I do think there are teams that could potentially make that move. You know, I, I really, I really do. And I think Arizona has, is not in love with that pick right now because I think they feel like they need more than just what the number one, number three pick is going to give them. And they could see what value could come up if a team were to try to trade up for that pick. But I don't know, man, it's uh, it, it always gets crazy around this time of the year, but the, the best advice I can give everybody is just like, don't, don't get too comfortable with what you think the top 10 is going to be, or even the top 15, because that shit can get turned on its head in a, in a fucking second. It, it, it's that simple. Yeah. Um, should we get into what we think is going to happen in this top 10 then? Yeah, because I think, uh, I think with the last week, I think trends are really kind of flying in a lot of different directions. Um, so I think a guy like Paris Johnson is somebody who's starting to shoot up some more boards. Um, I think he's somebody that could potentially be drafted before we were sit before we picked at nine. Um, as me and you have said before in, in the previous episode, we're not really the biggest Paris Johnson guys, so that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But uh, it does kind of change things, and it is going to change the valuation of other tackles in this draft. Um, I guess if you're sitting and picking at nine, if, if anything's on the table, who are you taking at nine? Like just, just pure meat on the table. I mean, you have I mean, to the only thing me. that I feel like you have to get an absolute haul to trade back for um, would be Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, which is very highly unlikely. And it's looking like Carter is more and more unlikely by the day. Um, Tyree Wilson, I like enough. I would even consider like, Here's the thing. I in an, in a perfect world, I would love to trade back and get Darnell Wright, but if they were to take him at 9, I wouldn't be mad. You know, um if you think he's got all-pro potential at right tackle, there's some right tackles in the league that make a big difference. Um and a lot of these pass rushers are coming from the right side. They line up where they think they can get a matchup. So if you're weak on the right side, they'll line you up over the right tackle. They'll line people up over the guard at this point, right? Like we see all different types of um, stunts, twists, everything at the line of scrimmage. So to me, I think you pick the best player on the board 
Darnell Wright, in my opinion, is the best tackle in the draft. Um, I do like Broderick Jones a lot. I think he's got more high-end potential. I think he – I think Broderick Jones is what people are talking like like what, what they're saying about Paris Johnson Jr. Like that's how I see him. I do think he's got a, a lot of room to grow. I think he's got a lot of intangibles, um, the size and all that stuff that you want. But I just feel like he's done it in a, in a better – I mean a better conference, right? Let's be real here. The Big Ten sucks. Um, and he's just, I, I don't know. I just, I prefer him more. There's some other guys that I like too. And in, in, in when it comes to that position, I wouldn't really be upset if they took Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. Like they're, you can always use a good corner. I know that's not what people want to hear, but if you're going to stick and pick, I think really those three, um, are, are the ones that you want to stick and pick for Carter Anderson and Tyree Wilson, the three edge rushers. It fits a need. They would be the best player available um, if they were there at that spot. Otherwise, I, I want to trade down, right? Like I mentioned some of those other guys, um, but I think you kind of got to – and even still with Carter, like if someone like Pittsburgh is really willing to give you 17 and 32, it's not going to – I know people are like, oh, well, the draft chart, it's not going to match up. Like you said, shit gets weird on draft day. If someone really likes a player, Pittsburgh's looking at it like we didn't even fucking want Claypool – we got him like we got his contract taken off our hands. We just traded for Allen Robinson to replace him, which oh how the mighty have fallen. I remember there was a time <laughs> when Allen Robinson fucking denied 18 million dollars a year from the Bears to then take less money for the Rams to ring chase to then bust Ooh. out and traded for a fucking seventh round swap. That's um brutal. just so they take brutal. on some of his contract. Insane shit, really. But I digress. Um, but yeah, like if 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 as much as I like Carter, dude, if 17 and 32 are to be had for, for Jalen or for Jalen Carter, for the number nine pick, I, you have to seriously fucking consider that. Cause that would be a haul. And at 32, now I think you really open things up. There's going to, it's a deep edge rusher class. So you can get a guy like an Isaiah Foskey or something along those lines. Uh, maybe Will McDonald falls, even though he's not a perfect scheme fit. Um, you know, I, I or you can get a guy like Zay Flowers, maybe, or it's going to put you in range where you could trade up, just give away like a fourth rounder or something, one of your extra fourth rounders, and trade up a few spots. I, I don't mind the idea of trading up and down, um, right? Go down with your biggest pick and then come up with the pick you get back, just so you can kind of get two players that you really like. It's a really good tight end class. There's guys like Dalton Kincaid that I would really like in that range. I think he's got potential to be the best pass catcher to come out of this draft um, in terms of how he's going to be used. And I think he's just going to be a straight up, you know, use like Travis Kelsey, to be honest. I don't, I don't think he's going to be there to be blocking. I think he's going to be there to take up space in the middle of the field, draw attention to himself and either destroy one-on-one -on -one matchups or free up someone else to make a play. So um, that's just kind of where I'm at. I, I like Darnell Wright. I mean, you know, I wrote down LP's top 10 guys. Darnell Wright is number two on that list. Of course, Zach Charbonnet is number one. But, um, you know, I, I think a little bit more draft capital would be nice as well. Dude, you are going to be in absolute shambles if Zach Charbonnet gets drafted to, like, a division rival or something like that. Like, if he gets drafted to the Packers, like, it's it, it's going to be how we felt about Christian Watson last year. Watching I, I'm already mentally him prepared for him to just go somewhere else, right? Like, the chances of him actually being a bear 
very unlikely. But yeah, I mean, it's, he's it's a damn good fucking football player. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe your word for it. Um, with how many different Zach Charbonnet highlights pop up on the uh, barely their watch history. But anyway, I digress. Um, so sitting in, sitting at nine, I'm kind of under the same impression as you. I will say though, if this is going to be like my hot take of the episode or my hot take of the draft, unless dude, unless Pittsburgh's backing up the dump truck to us, I think Pulse sees freaking red if Jalen Carter is there at nine and pulls the trigger it. immediately. Yeah, it's hard because not- because like if you think about it, if there's any like need over the course of the entire team that we have just blatantly ignored since the Ryan Poles era has started, dude, it's, it's been the position that Jalen Carter plays. You know what I mean? Larry Ogunjobi that fell through. What did we do to, to like go on from that? We did nothing. Justin Jones was going to get signed anyway. You know what I mean? Like those, those were, those were wheels that were already in motion. That was his big free agent signing and he missed on it. If he has the the ability to get like the best defensive player in this draft, character issues and all, I guarantee you Ryan Poles has done more than enough of his due diligence and probably tossed this past Matt Eberflus more than once. Like, hey, Matt, is this somebody you think you can hone in? Is this somebody you can you think you can keep together, turn into a professional? You know what I mean? I'm sure those discussions have been had. I I made this call with the Cole Komet pick a couple years ago. If Jalen Carter is there at nine we are not passing on him. We're not trading out of that pick. We're drafting Jalen Carter. I will, I will sit on that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's fine. Like if that gets clipped and thrown in my face and I look like an idiot because we pass on Jalen Carter, or we trade the Steelers. You know, it's whatever. It's fine. I wouldn't hate that trade, especially if we were to get 17 32. Um, you know, that, you know, that is actually pretty damn appealing. You know, I know we do have like a, a bit of an emotional hold on the 32nd pick, which, uh, you know, might cloud judgment a little bit, but that, that's that, that's neither here nor there. Um, as far as Darnell Wright, this is a guy that I've really wanted to trade down, even if it, it's just a couple picks to draft, just because I thought his valuation was way too low coming into the whole draft process. But at, with Paris Johnson moving up boards, and with a guy you know, with a guy like Broderick Jones moving up boards, I could see a tackle getting drafted fairly early in the draft, and teams getting a little little ready to push that button. I could see a team even wanting to trade up to go get a go get a guy like that. You well, know the thing I mean? that's gonna fuck it all up, I'll tell you right now, dude. If Houston passes on a quarterback, I think you're gonna see shit get weird very quickly. Um, because those it, it all depends, right? Like then then you're gonna see guys like Paris Johnson and or possibly Broderick Jones go in the top ten for a team that's like, you know, uh one pick away. Like a like a Hmm, maybe Carolina who knows no fucking around um but realistically I I just feel like this quarterback class was overhyped and we're just kind of coming around to that conclusion now where we're talking okay maybe only two guys go in the top 10 this is mainstream I've been fucking saying this for a while but like Anthony Richardson and Will Levis do not have enough on tape to really justify taking them especially if you're like a a Detroit or a, and that's what I was getting at too. Like Detroit or Seattle, right? Maybe one of them need a tackle or, or, uh, or another corner or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just feel like there's, there's just too much fucking there. There's too much variability for you to actually take a risk on one of those two guys at the top of the draft. Especially if you're, if you're thinking it's an uphill battle, right? Like I, I get it with, both of them really more so Richardson. I get it. But like you're, you're putting a lot of stock in 
hoping that something goes completely, you know, uh, against the ordinary. So I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe well, I'm missing something with those two guys, but I just, I just don't feel like they're both top 10 worthy. I feel like if they were in last year's draft, we thought Pickett, like I said, Pickett and Willis could go top 10. Like I think they would be the types to be falling out, maybe go at the end of the first round or something like that. I just, I just feel like because of Stroud and, and young, it's kind of given the whole class a lot more hype than it should when really it's just those two guys are very good players. Well, you know, I think something to watch are maybe some of the teams that have taken a second look at a guy like Anthony Richardson just because of his rawness. Um, I think Will Levis is going to fall in the middle of the draft, if not later in the first round of the draft. Uh, well, middle of the first round, I should say. Um, but I could see a team like Tennessee wanting to move up two picks just to be able to secure that. Because at 10, you have the Philadelphia Eagles who don't necessarily need to pick at that because they have another pick in the first round. And they could also be looking to accumulate draft picks because they're going to need to, if they want to continue to contend, they're going to need to continue to get young yeah. players on the field. So accum accumulation is going to be the best, best offer. So Tennessee could be sitting at 11, worried somebody could move up to 10 to take a guy like Anthony Richardson, who they've been showing a lot of interest in. Well, why not trade to nine? Why not give us number 11? You know what I mean? Number 11 in like a third or fourth round pick. You know, I'd be okay with that moving down two picks because I feel like if that's the move that gets made and you have Philly sitting at 10, I think a guy like Darnell Wright is still sitting there at 11. You know what I mean? So there's there's a couple different ways you can go with that. Lucas, did I lose you, buddy? Hmm. Well, I may have just lost Lucas Trafetti, but I will talk for a minute to, to uh, see if we can get him back. But uh, regardless, you know, there's there's a lot of different scenarios we could do with that pick. And, I, you know, like I've said, at nauseum at this point, I think Washington is another team that you have to keep an eye on, you know, that could potentially move up. You, you alive there, buddy? Okay. just wanted Yeah, to we're sure. good. I'm sorry. My shit crapped out for a second. Nope, you're good. Um, But, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you really have to pay attention to this tired, you know, top half of the draft and you have to be able to kind of be the, be the spoiler for some of these other teams that think they're going to be able to sit and get a guy when, you know, maybe they're just a few picks away to go get their guy at nine or even Houston, you know, Houston, if they don't draft a quarterback at number two, they still might have a player at number nine that they're in love with and they don't want to have a chance of him falling back. You know what I mean? Texans have a lot of fucking capital to move around with too. And they're going to want as many high caliber starters on either side of the ball as they can, even, even if they're not drafting a quarterback. So if they could start, if after their pick, they start seeing some heavy hitters come off the board, I could see them also moving up as well, even with a team like uh, Atlanta or even Detroit, you know, cause I'm seeing people mocking Detroit as far as like beyond Robinson and whatnot. I don't think he's going to get drafted that high. And I don't think Detroit's going to want to draft him that high. Um, I've also seen them connected to a lot of like uh, interior defensive linemen. So it could be a situation where Detroit wants to move out of that pick. There's, there's a lot of different ways this can go. And that's really the biggest, the biggest thing you have to do as one of these teams that's sitting in the top 10, that's not, totally sold on a guy that falls to their pick is you might have somebody a few picks down that is completely sold on a guy they want to go draft and they might be willing to give you a little bit of a little bit of a ransom for it so yeah um, i think you hit I, on a couple, oh. go ahead go ahead uh, I, no i think you hit on a couple good things because those have all been like trade scenarios that have been entertained um here's my only thing and and with the houston part right like if they really liked a guy at nine 
quarterback wise that they thought that they can get it to. It's different if it's it's different if it's like a positional player and maybe someone like a Jalen Carter's falling, you know, and they're like, holy shit, we can get Jalen Carter and Will Anderson in the same draft, like, and then be salivating and give up their fucking second round pick, which that would be dope. Um, but I just feel like it reminds me of the year with Daniel Jones. Like, I think the what did the Giants have? They had like a six number over six overall and 12 overall. And they were like, Daniel Jones should be there at 12. Everyone was saying that they were going to go get someone else at five and get Daniel Jones at 12. And then sure enough, they picked Daniel Jones at, at five or six, whatever the pick was. I feel like that's the same thing with the Texans. Like if you have two and your guy isn't picked at one, I don't know how you could pass him up and hope to trade back in, right? Like that, then it's, you're going to be dealing with really high bidding prices. I, so that's just my only thought. Who knows? But, right. Like, but, but to that, do they trade up for a quarterback? Like, is that what they're trading up for? Are they, or do they trade up? Do they trade up for like a JSN or Quentin Johnson? Or yeah, like something like that, or even like um, trading up for an offensive tackle, right? Like a PJJ, a, a Broderick Jones. So I could see all that being um, real. One situation that I feel like should be monitored because everyone thinks it's a, a done deal, like the Jets. Who knows if this deal, I mean, we're getting closer and closer and the Packers want those picks this year. Like, they don't want to be dog shit this year. They want those picks this year. So, if a deal doesn't get done, the Packers want to deal Aaron Rodgers somewhere else or just kind of stick with him for the year, whatever they have to do, which that's actually entertaining in itself. Like, I do think things intensify when we get to draft day if he's not dealt before that second round is gone. Because now you're talking about future capital. Packers are probably going to be really pissed about that. So, that's great. Um but yeah, I think you know there's potential for the Jets there. I think the Titans for sure. Uh, there's potential there, uh, but that's more so for positional players. Washington, I find very intriguing because like Sam Howell, if you don't remember, he was supposed to be a number one overall pick. Like him coming uh, oh, yeah. two years before he came out, he was supposed to be the guy. They got him in the third round. Um, so I don't know, man. I would. I, I think they are actually going to roll with him for a year or so. I would be interested to see um, who who the oh I almost called them the R word my bad um, who the uh, football team or the Commanders would have who who they would want to trade up for I'm not sure but I, I think you know there's a lot of options on the table and we see that all the time like even the Bears went up from 11 to nine for Leonard Floyd in 20 what was that 2017 2016. Um, so you see that like move up two spots to get a third and get a third rounder all, all the time. And I do think Darnell Wright would be in range there. Um, but who knows, man, he might be the first tackle off the board and it might go to like pick seven. We have no fucking clue what's going to actually happen. So that's, I mean, should we try to predict this, this top 10? I, I mean, we've definitely discussed it quite a bit. I, I, the biggest domino is going to be what Carolina does because they are at first we all thought they were, sh- they were showing their hand at quarterback, which now sure. like, now like no, nobody's really sure. You know, I, I feel like Bryce young is starting to get more into that conversation. Plus like, dude, this could be Houston doing the same thing. You know what I mean? They could be basically like, Oh, we're not drafting quarterback, whatever. We're fucking number two. We don't, nah, we're not going to do that. And then they could be like, all right, well, if you draft the guy that we didn't want and we get the guy we want, of course we're going to draft him. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know, dude. 
I think Will Anderson is definitely a guy that could be a really good outside pass rusher in the NFL. Like I, I don't, I don't ever want to like come off. Like I don't like Will Anderson, but does Houston need Will Anderson? You know what I mean? Does Arizona need Will Anderson? Like these, those are two teams that just kind of need a fucking Houston needs quarterback desperately. Arizona needs a little bit of everything besides a quarterback. If they, they might need a quarterback sooner rather than later. We don't know that that's, that's the whole situation needs to get played out. I, I like Kyler, but motherfucker needs to stop playing Warzone. Um, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways this could go. And, you know, you have Jim Irsay laughing like a cartoon fucking villain at number four, you know, knowing that he's just going to fucking take whatever doesn't get drafted. Although I feel like if Stroud and Young go, he's going to be, oh man, he's going to be pissed. You know what I mean? I don't, I, yeah, because I don't think they take Levis or Richardson at that point. Maybe they do, but I don't know. And even still, like, God, Levis at number four. Brutal. I am just not convinced that guy can throw a tight spiral. He is a fucking cannon of an arm. There's absolutely no denying that. But like, I have not seen him throw a pass past 20 yards that looks like a good spiral to me. And that just, it blows me away that a quarterback that talented can't do that. But yeah, there's just so many different ways it can go. And then, you know, who, who knows? Maybe Arizona and Houston are like kind of jiggling the keys at, at Indy, wanting, wanting them to move up, you know what I mean? And moving back into that pick, you know, we don't know. It, it's it's really hard to say. That's, that's the thing, too. Are they really going to give a quarterback to the division? So maybe they they would have to be jing, jingling it back further. You know, it, that's why it's like that. But that's what makes Arizona interesting because Arizona has no fucking hair in that game. You know what I mean? Arizona could easily trade trade a pick down, especially if Houston doesn't take a quarterback. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I it, yeah no. There's just. Everyone is saying it's Bryce Young now, but I felt like through the whole process it was gonna be CJ Stroud. Because I do think that changes things. I think if CJ Stroud goes one, then Bryce Young goes two. I think if Bryce Young goes one, then you're gonna see like Will Anderson go two. Probably. And that's gonna completely like alter everything. Like I would assume that um Arizona's not gonna be able to trade down anymore. So they're probably gonna take like Tyree Wilson. At four, you would probably see Ursay just be like, get fucking Stroud. Um, five and six, I think you would see Christian Gonzalez first. Then at six is Seattle. That's probably where you see Carter go. Um, uh, five is Seattle, I'm pretty sure. Five is Seattle and six is Detroit. My bad. Yeah, you're you good. see Carter, then Gonzalez go. And then I think like seven, now you're back on the board where you could take a Will Levis. You could take a... Um, you know, because I, I don't think I don't think the Falcons are taking one. Seven is uh, Vegas. I, right? I think the I think the Falcons like Ritter. I really think they do. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they drafted him knowing him knowing he was going to be a bit of a project. I think they're higher on him, say, than uh, Tennessee is on their quarterback that they drafted because he was supposed to be a little bit more of a sure thing, and he looked like a fucking lost child when he was on the field. So I could see seven being like something weird. Like a, uh, or, or I'm sorry, I could see seven being like a quarterback then, either Levis or Richardson. And then I think one of the other two fall to us because I think eight with Ryan Pace over there, I could see something wild like a uh, Kalijah uh, Cansey or um, who's the other one I'm trying to think of right now? I could see like a, a 
Devin Witherspoon, something like that at seven. Um, Lucas Van Ness is another guy that I feel like would be a really big Ryan Pace player. Like guys that are supposed to go in the middle of the first round that might get thrown up there in that spot. Um, I could even see like a Peter Skaronsky going there. So first tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. And then you're there at nine with either Richardson or Will Levis. Um, and I think that's worse. Honestly, I think that's worst case scenario. So I, well, I think, I think a team like Tennessee really likes Anthony Richardson. I, I think they would be the team that you would probably get the call on to at least feel out that pick. Cause I, you could also see it or, you know, maybe they move up with Philly. You know, I, I see Tennessee really seeing that guy honed in also, but you know, you bring up the Raiders. Would it just not be poetic fucking justice? If Josh McDaniel were to draft an athletic Florida quarterback after taking over a fucking AFC West team, it would be the fucking most like full circle time is a flat circle moment like of my life, except he didn't get Matt Castle. He didn't get his fucking new England cast off. He got Jimmy Garoppolo though. So like everything is just so weird when it comes to Josh McDaniels that it just all kind of comes together. It, like in this weird, like almost prophetic way. Like if they drafted Anthony Richardson, I, I, I don't even know if I'd be surprised. I'd just be like, this guy really is just on fucking repeat. And the Raiders are going to watch it fucking go right back into the ground, man. I yeah. man, I don't know. The Raiders the Raiders are, were always a wild card because of Al Davis. Now they're a wild card, not because of Mark Davis, but because of Josh McDaniel. They gave him way too much power. He is somebody who just genuinely doesn't know how to build a roster. So, yeah, number seven is a complete other fucking toss-up. I have no idea what's going to happen at that pick. Uh, Paris Johnson makes sense for him, but like, I wish it was still Mayock because it would be something fucking stupid, dude. Like, it would be like, I don't know, it would be like Michael Mayer or something like that. He'd be like, yeah, dude, he's got oh, the dude. Ball. It would be fucking Joey Porter Jr. Hundred percent, yeah, right. Like, just something that like just reaching to to a prospect that's generally ranked in the twenties in the top ten because that was his fucking move, dude. Um. Or just falling in love with, like, anybody who played in the SEC at a high level. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Anyone with a great buttocks. I still remember that, dude. He used to just talk about fucking people's asses. <laughs> All the time, dude, on NFL Network. Yeah, no, dude. It was fucking – it was absurd. I mean, he was – he wasn't – I didn't dislike him, but DJ and Bucky are 100 times better. I Dude, I don't know. I just – I feel like – I feel like Mel Kuyper kind of started something that's just turned into a complete utter fucking mess with a lot of these guys. He's a I, fucking creep, dude. Dude, I, I honestly, dude, I, I'm not even a fan of Mel Kuyper, but like I trust guys who straight up do not leave their house for 300 days a year because they are just watching nothing but college film. Like I'm talking D3 fucking nobodies and like, like websites you haven't heard of that do draft coverage. Those are the best websites to go to because those guys legitimately do not have a life and they've broken down that film more than fucking uh really any of them have and like that's that's where kuiper got his start that's what made him so interesting was like kuiper was a fucking nerd like just a dude who just would just buy vhs's of random college games to get fucking any film he could and he would just send him to 30 he would send him to every nfl team just praying for praying to god they'd give him a front office spot and he somehow landed at espn but, I'm not a Kuiper guy, but I'm pretty sure his latest mock had us taking Darnell Wright at nine and Zach Charbonnet at 53, which I would just 
blow my fucking shit everywhere. If that would, if that happened, you guys can literally come at me if the Bears don't do well, because um, then I'll have such an extreme 180. Well, I don't even know if it would be a 180. Maybe a 90 degree turn on polls right now because I'm in the middle. I would be the number one polls guy. I mean, I would fucking start building monuments for him. You know, like I'm. I really wouldn't hate Darnell right at nine. I just like, I almost wish people would have just shut the fuck up about the offensive tackles in this draft and let his value kind of sit where it was currently sitting. Cause like there was a time where I felt like we could have moved to like near the middle of the fucking round and grabbed him. But like Skransky, 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 I don't even fucking care. His arms are just too short, man. He's a fucking T-Rex. God, that's going to age really bad if he's a fucking bear, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think so. I, I, He's just falling off a fucking cliff, of course. And I genuinely don't think I would want him on the edge, dude. He's going to get absolutely mollywopped with guys who can fucking set the edge. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's outliers. If I was looking at the stats correctly, like anything below 34 inch arms, if I'm not mistaken, is very difficult to make it at tackle. I think there's like three or four active players right now that came in and had under 34 inch arms that are like starters at tackle. didn't get shifted inside. So, um, and I think one of the outliers is Rashad Bateman who had like 33 and a 33 and three fourths inch arms. And then if I'm not mistaken, Peter Scronsky has 32 and three fourths inch arms. So we're not talking about like being slightly under kind of a benchmark of a necessity for the position. Um, we're talking very like that it would be an uphill battle for him to because just to deal with the length um you know it's it's not as much as people want to disregard it and i'm some one of those guys too that's like just watch the film watch the film there are certain fucking things that are just concrete stats um that i think you can trust in the nfl concrete metrics like ras scores and stuff like that like they're very hard to overcome um you know you shouldn't use them as your number one deciding factor by any means but seeing that they don't cross that threshold of like oh, okay these people reasonably go into this position and and do well um if they have you know lower part lower ends of those stats and rankings and measurables and shit like that um but it, it when you get to that range it's like alarming well i guess my biggest thing is like if you go when it comes to drafting offensive linemen, especially tackles and like edge setters, you have to look at the offense they played in. And Northwestern wasn't an offense that was like setting the setting the world on fire through the air. They were not trying to throw the ball a lot. I mean, they ended up having to and like blowout losses because of how bad they were last year. But like they're a run, they were a run first team. You know what I mean? Like they were a team that fits exactly what he should be, and that's a, a, a guard that can get to the second level. You know what I mean, or a tackle that can get to the second level because you don't need long arms to run block. You know, I think a lot of guys throughout the course of the league have proven that. But if you can't, if you can't win at least half your battles in hand fighting on the edge to at least get to a stalemate, you're in a lot of trouble in the NFL. There's just no other way around it. And just to correct myself, it's thirty. Two and a half inches versus 33 inches for, for Slater. 32 and a half for Skronsky. What happened? Something with the socks? They just get rocked? They just got walked off. No, that's rough. Sorry. Well, that's brutal. All right, regardless, I'm not going to let that change the course of the episode. But, yeah, I Slater was just such a stud, man. I don't know. That's that's such a hard comparison. You know, I, I, I hate when people do the, the same school comparison because – 
gosh, dude, Slater just screamed NFL outside or NFL offensive tackle. And in all honesty, Northwestern was a lot, was a lot better that year he was there. And I think that helps him a lot, but like, I think Skransky, he, he fits so much better at guard. I don't really like him as a tackle in the NFL, but like even if he's a pulling guard, he's athletic enough to get out there. He can definitely get to the second level. He proved that at Northwestern, but like he did not have to deal with as many snaps in pass pro as a guy like Darnell Wright. You know what I mean? Tennessee loved throwing the football. They continue to love throwing the football, and that'll happen when you have Hendon Hooker, which, by the way, Darnell Wright did not allow a single sack to Hendon Hooker last year playing in the SEC, playing against some of the best pass rushers in all of college football, some of which are going to be getting drafted in the first round of this current NFL draft. So if if I'm trying to find a pick for that for us, you know, an argument. I think Darnell Wright wins nearly every argument for me because he just has a lot more. He has a lot more experience in a in a pass happy type offense, and you know he's a guy that's just an absolute load, dude. Like unofficial at the at the combine, six five, three thirty three, thirty three and three quarters arms and nine inch hands. Like he's a big boy, and he's uh he's got a little bit of got a little bit of second level burst to him as well. I'm not saying he's gonna set the world on fire by getting the linebackers, but uh he can do a little bit of everything. And I think at right tackle, you know, I think you touched on it at the very top of this episode. You know, a right a great right tackle in the NFL is something that gets very overlooked. Like, could you imagine where the Eagles would be without a guy like Lane Johnson? Like, he's an absolute fucking killer at right tackle. Could you have moved him to left tackle at some point in your career, his career, and made him a good left tackle? Sure, probably. But having that absolute killer on either side of the offensive line means that you don't have like say how we used to use Cleo Mack. We would always put Cleo Mack against the weakest tackle or we would try to make that matchup happen because Cleo would absolutely kill that guy. You know what I mean? We there's highlight films of anybody trying to play tackle for either the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Detroit Lions where Cleo Mack absolutely ate their lunch and took their fucking money. You know what I mean? So like it, it's big to have that kind of that presence on the outside. And I think on the other, you know, on the other side of it, I think Jones is also a good fit. You know what I mean? I think he does a good job no matter where you're going to put him. So having Jones and having right on uh, each side of the offensive line, that's a, it's a good fucking problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, where does that leave us, Duke? Um, I'd say that leaves us at, that's a good question. Oh <laughs> uh, man, last episode we covered so many of the guys we really like. I guess like, let's say we trade back to like the middle. Let, let's say let's say we make the Pittsburgh trade. Who are the two guys you're liking at seventeen thirty two? Then and Wright is gone. Probably like, yeah. more challenging. Um, I think at that spot, I so. I really like Zay Flowers a lot. He's probably my favorite. I don't think it's hard to say he's the best wide receiver in the draft, but I do think he's one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft. I just think he's kind of what you see in the modern NFL wide receiver, like the throwback big dude that could tower over everybody and go up and get the ball. That's still popular, but like the idea of crafty route running um, is very, it's get, it's something that's getting a lot of recognition and something that's being noticed. Um, you know, you see one of the guys specifically, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown coming from the slot. Like he just gets open. Um, people are talking about how it was crazy that he went in the fourth round and 
and, you know, all that good stuff. So I just, I just feel like, you know, someone like Zay Flowers to me fits a mold of one of those guys that can separate. He's not the biggest, and this is kind of not traditional because, you know, I like a bigger receiver. Um, he's not the biggest guy, but I think at 17, someone like him wouldn't bother me. Even someone like Dalton Kincaid, who I covered on, would not bother me at 17. Um, I don't know if they'll be there in combination at 17 and 32, but those are two guys that I really like. Another guy that we're seeing falling like to that range-ish would be like Kalijah Cansey. Uh, I think that's someone you could definitely get at 32 a lot more likely than than um, you know the the two guys that I mentioned before. But that's someone you might have to take at 17, right? Like you know maybe Broderick Jones does fall if if those guys go or or as much as I hate to say it because he's a Packers fan, like taking a guard that might be the best guard in the the draft. Um, with Skaronski at 17, that wouldn't bother me too much, right? Like you could try him out at tackle and see if it works. Um, another guy that I really like at say, I, I think 17 is too high, but if you can get him at 32, uh, Os Osiris Torrance, he's a guard from Florida, um, really went to work on Jalen Carter when they played each other this year. I just think he is kind of one of those guys that can set the tone you know, that kind of puts Tevin on the outside looking in, but maybe you shift him over to tackle and have him work in there. Um, see if things work out. If not, he'd seem to be on the trade block, right? This is just, if we're going BPA overall, right? Not like best draft strategy um, and putting things together. Cause as much as you want, like, I love mock drafting. I do them all the time, at least multiple a day, but it's hard to be like, Oh, this guy's going to be here at this. Like we could position it this way. Like, they're not going to fill all of the holes in the draft. It's going to be fucking impossible. Um, so getting that BPA, in my opinion, is the best thing for the Chicago Bears. There's no one that the Bears are really locked to long-term, right? Like their receivers, most of them are fucking going to be gone. You have DJ Moore. Um, you have Kyler Gordon, but like Jalen Johnson isn't locked up. Even tight end-wise, tight end-wise, if we were to trade 17 and 32, I, I would like one of those tight ends at 32, to be honest. Um Maybe Kincaid falls there. Musgrave is another guy I really like. I just think it's a strong class. Um, and if if there's no way, all, like three, my three favorite tight ends are going to go in the in those top thirty two picks, right? So one will be there at thirty two. Um, that's kind of, you know, I like Brian Branch a lot too. Brian Branch is like, he's a safety for Alabama, but I think. He's one of the best man coverage players in the slot. If you're able to take a slot player um, and be kind of someone that you work around a little bit and play a little bit more. I mean, I mean, I think he's everything that you want in a slot cornerback, to be honest. And I don't think he would be labeled as a cornerback, but he's he's a hybrid in, in, in my opinion. And having him comboed up with Eddie Jackson, um, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, you can move him to the outside. Then you have Jalen Johnson for a year. I really like it. I know you'd be investing a lot in a quote unquote safety, but I, I do think he's a hybrid. I think he's someone that has a special skill set, almost like a Derwin James type skill set, right? Like I'm not going to compare the two because James was a fucking monster coming out of college. Um, and when he's healthy, he is a fucking monster. But I do think, you know, in terms of using him as like a star or big nickel position where you're running nickel most of the time and he's just running with the slot receiver, um, or running backs, whatever tight ends coming out. I think he can do that job really well. Okay. Okay. Those are some pretty, pretty good names, some pretty heavy hitters there. Um, 
I guess my thought, if we were to trade back in the draft at all, I do like. Um, I, I'm sorry, I do like Isaiah Foskey as well. He's to me, he's not going to get you like flashy um, numbers in terms of like pass rush, but I do think he's going to be a solid edge setter in the NFL for years. He's kind of the perfect size for like a four three d- defensive end. He's got experience. Um, he played at a high level for a while, so that's someone else that I could see being a good pick at like 32. I think I think if we go if we if we're trying to go best player available and kind of pair that up with some of the needs that we have, and we do trade back at nine, I I really think especially if offensive tackles start going off the board quick that Ryan Poles has kind of worked himself into a a situation where he's going to have to be a little bit desperate as far as offensive tackle goes because we just genuinely do not have a plan for the uh, other offensive tackle position unless we uh want to roll it back, which it's, that's an idea. Um, and I think guys that could potentially fall out of it that people haven't talked about a lot, um, Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, um, guy that I really wouldn't mind us getting late. Um, maybe if we were to get 17 and 32, I'd more side on him being around the 32 area. But I also wouldn't mind us taking a look at a guy like Tyler Steen from Alabama. Um, ta- what makes Tyler Steen a little bit different from most guys you get out of Alabama is usually you get these guys that are, t- you know, five-star prospects, go straight to Alabama, start playing, you know, their sophomore, junior year, look like a stud for two years, and then, you know, top 10 pick. You know, it's pretty pretty much the uh, the Alabama uniform with, with the way that goes. But he, Steen played at Vanderbilt for three years before transferring to Alabama. Like, he was already a stud playing in the SEC. He was just happened to be on a absolutely awful team you know what i mean he went to he went to alabama proved he was a day one starter and dude he's nasty he's genuinely a nasty fucking guy he's a guy who can really get into it with some of these edge rushers and you know if if you want to be that meatball guy and draft a guy that brings a little bit of that nasty you know that stuff we loved with tevin jenkins tyler scene's not a bad idea you know 6'6 321 he's a big dude um, maybe he doesn't get to the second level as fast as you'd want from like a run blocking right tackle, but uh, he's a guy who can keep your quarterback clean. Um, he can play guard or tackle depending on the need, but obviously you'd be drafting him to be a tackle, especially with that size. Um, he's got 10 and a half inch hands and fucking hands. He, dude, he's got paws. Speaking right? of size. Yeah. Dewan Jones is another guy I hear floated. I don't, I just don't know as much as I hate the idea of scheme fit. Um, I mean, he's just hard to get around, dude. He's a mountain of a man, but I don't know if that's going to be someone they target. I know I see him in a lot of mock drafts. I mean, just in the first, I feel like that's a bit of a bit of a reach. Um, if he if he's a guy that we're looking at in the second round, I'm definitely on board with that. But if we're going second round, I think Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma has somebody we pay attention to. Nick Broker, um, Ryan Hayes from Michigan. I believe that's somebody I've talked about before. I think he's a guy who uh, can really be an athletic tackle in the NFL. If you wanted him to be a right tackle, be able to get to the second level. I thought he did a great job of that at Michigan. And it showed with how well Michigan was able to run the football. Um, you know, I think you have a you have a lot of different possibilities with that pick uh, if you want to go later. I just think if we trade out of nine and the best tackles go off the board and there's still some first-round talent out there, I think Ryan Poles has to pull the trigger, whether it's at 17 or 32. Now, that's if that trade happens at all. But I still feel like if you don't get Jalen Carter, I feel like there's a fairly steep drop-off as far as defensive tackle talent goes. And that's not a detriment to the class. That's a fucking endorsement of how good Jalen Carter is. And I think, you know, you have guys who could potentially follow the second, third round at defensive tackle who you could really 
you know, put your arms around, you know, Mozzie Smith from Michigan, another guy that, that I just brought, uh, that I brought up on the last episode, Brian Brees, he's a guy who could fall. I mean, Brian Brees could fall as far as the third, fourth round, you know, those Clemson guys for whatever reason really like to fall. And he's a big boy, you know, six, five, three Oh five. I mean, and ran a four, eight, six. I mean, yeah, he was noticeably like one of the quickest people at, at the combine. Yeah, especially for his size. And, you know, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up my boy Keanu Benton, who I think is that borderline type of, you know, borderline type of talent who could be a early to mid second round pick. You know, that's a guy that I also think we should go after if we don't end up drafting a guy like Jalen Carter. But I really feel like if or the centers, too. Yeah. John Smith's and fucking Joe Tittman. Joe Tittman's on the LP's top 10. It's not not JMS, though. Just for yeah. the mullet. The mullet put him up above him. No, Tittman's a stud. John Michael Schmidt's a stud. Um, I really like Luke Weipler. I mean, it's unfortunate It's unfortunate that he happened to go to Ohio State, but I can't deny how good of a center he is. Um, you know, there is definitely center talent in this draft that I feel like hasn't really been talked about all that much. But I guess, you know, just really, it's going to depend on if, if we trade out a nine, it's going to depend what the top ten looks like and where those picks go how quick of a run there goes on offensive tackles. Honestly, best case scenario for us would be a run on wide receivers happening early because that means a lot of good um, a lot of good offensive linemen and defensive linemen are going to fall. A lot of defensive talent in general is going to fall if a run on wide receivers happens to happen. Because I, I'm still under the belief, while it's not something I would do, I could see JSN getting overdrafted. Um, I could see a team just kind of like – watching that that year that Ohio State went to the Rose Bowl and just falling in love with them and ignoring everything else. Hey, that's them. That's not me. Um, I know there's a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast who love JSN, but uh, took a year off. I don't know, man. It's uh, Yeah, I think we could see a run like we did last year. I think last year it started at 11 with Ohio yeah. Um Well, well that's – Wonderful. That's like even even like my guy Traylon Burks. Didn't know, not a lot of people really thought he was going to get drafted as early as he did, but the second the wide receiver started flying off the board, People went yeah, down. we were kind of hoping he might fall to us in the second. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I thought he was going to be a late, like a late first. I still um, love Traylon Burks. Oh, man. he was my he's favorite. Gonna, he's going to be a fucking stud in Tennessee. They just need to get him a damn quarterback. But I could see the three. I could see going on a run early. Maybe a fourth would be Zay Flowers, but the top three would probably be um, JSN and then Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison would fall into that. And I could see that happening between like twelve and. And, uh, you know, 12 and fucking 15, 12 and 13 and 16, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, it's – and it would also depend how far we're going to trade back, you know. Um, yeah. I I really like the idea of Tennessee falling in love with Anthony Richardson and potentially trading back just two picks to get like a – whatever even it's even if it's like a third round pick moving back two spots and notching another top 100 pick that could bode very fucking well for us because i've never been a stranger to say when it's a uh a shallow draft or a top heavy draft and this is actually a pretty pretty full draft i think there's a lot of talent all across the board we've gotten out of like the covid red shirts and whatnot now we've got a bunch of guys who are not sitting out full seasons or sitting out you know bowl games or anything like that and a lot of guys who have a lot of good football under their belt, a lot of good tape under their belt. Uh, I'm going to laugh in a couple of years if this ends up being one of the worst draft classes in a, in a while. But I, I, I like the of middle it. of it a lot more than I like the top of it for sure. But um, yeah, I do I, think there is some talent there, especially like from what is at least being mocked from like 15 to 
65, 70. I think there's a lot of really good football players, just not oh. at the best positions. Well, I think it's I think it's balanced. You know what I mean? I think there's a good balance throughout the course of the draft. It's not like that guy you see at the gym that's like fucking totally stacked and benches 400 pounds but can't squat, you know, 210. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those situations where like, all right, this guy benches 300. He squats fucking 400. You know, he he literally just jogs in his sleep. Like it, that's the type of draft we have. He's It's perfectly proportioned. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe the biceps are a little bit bigger. Maybe the biceps are a little bit smaller depending on Luke's Freddy scale. We don't know. But um, it's hard to tell. I, I I really do. I really do have a lot of stock in this draft. I think there's a lot of good talent that's coming out. Um, there's a couple schools that have been good for a couple years. I think Michigan's going to bring out some pretty good talent this year. I think Notre Dame might actually have some decent talent coming out. Um, Utah, Cincinnati might even have a decent little bit of talent uh, going out of that final uh, Luke Fickle class in the next year or two. I think you're going to get some decent talent coming out of there as well. Um, Alabama always they always have theirs. LSU's a little bit of a weak class this year, unfortunately. They're usually one of those teams you kind of always see up there. And even Illinois, Illinois had a great had a great run. They're gonna have some guys go pretty early in this draft, especially in the uh, secondary and the defensive. They side might the have like yeah, like they might legitimately have six players drafted this year in general, and like three of them in the top one hundred, which is insane by Illinois standards. Oh, dude, especially with where Illinois has been. Yeah. And like, I know you really like Witherspoon, and, like, I, I really like him too, but I, I really like Quan Martin. I think he is a Swiss Army knife in the secondary, and he can do just a little bit of fucking everything. Just a real real gritty dude, and he just has an eye for the football. And that's that's somebody, if they get him in, like, the third if – if a team gets him in, like, the third round, they're getting a fucking steal of a fucking player because he can – do a little bit of everything, you know. I'm not. I wouldn't be lining him up at strong safety, but he can play every corner position, play some free safety. Very rangy dude. Ran four four eight. Got good size to him. Could probably put on like ten pounds, you know, depending on the city he goes to. Just definitely enjoy some of the cuisine for a little bit, buddy. Maybe drink <laughs> a milkshake. But like he, it's definitely a spot where um, even even if you go on Walter Football, which is one of my favorite favorite draft websites. Um, he's ranked as their number nine corner and their previous number nine corners is Martin Emerson, Asante Samuel Jr. And Jalen Johnson out of Utah. So that's a very good spot to be kind of put up with these rankings. Um, by the way, check out walterfootball.com. One of my favorite, favorite draft websites, get a lot of your information. They are, uh, very sharp and they have a hell of a history on, uh, knocking out a lot of, uh, a lot of mock drafts. Um, but yeah, I mean, even Cam Mitchell, that's that's another guy. You know, Northwestern has a decent little class coming out, and they just had a down year. But, yeah, I, I really feel like, you know, people will, you know, fall asleep looking at some of the smaller schools. You don't really see bringing out a ton of NFL talent every year. But from what I've watched about college football this past year, you know, they're, a lot of these teams just have an abundance of talent that maybe – didn't get that didn't get that chance didn't get to hit the transfer portal when they wanted to you know what i mean and players are just getting better in general like there's just been such a heavy investment in football facilities all the way down to the high school and and peewee level that like we're seeing the fruits of that now right like they really made a big push when we were kids um and we're starting to see like okay yeah now all those revolution high uh, helmets in high school, they're, they're showing up, right? Like <laughs> everyone that fucking had like went to speed camps and shit. You know what I mean? Like in the eighties, nineties, like people weren't doing that kind of shit. Like maybe a, a few and far between, but now it's like 
you're going to all camps. Like you are, you are training, you are fucking learning how to flip your hips. If you're a corner, you are learning how to bend the corner. Like I've seen, there's an account I follow on TikTok That's actually really good. It's like this guy that just trains linemen all like high school age kids. And he's just a badass dude. And these kids like do drills. And I'm like, I've never even seen a drill like this. And I fucking played quite a bit of all like just wild shit. Right. So the technology's gotten so much better that it's, I think the football is just in terms of talent level, it's getting better now with some of the rules and that stuff that can be argued in terms of quality of the game. But I do think the level of athlete has risen pretty significantly. Well, and I definitely agree with that. And I think technology comes a long way because you're able to, I mean, at least I'm in a couple of Facebook groups, a um, couple of group chats of just like different high school coaches from around the, around the globe. And obviously even our boy Jarrett, he's a really good, uh, really good person to go to. If you ever have any question about like the modern day game and how they're training uh, next level athletes. Um, he's a, been a high school coach in Oklahoma for a while. Um I really think where coaches are nailing it, and I think where you're seeing a lot of this rise come in, is they're teaching kids to play more to what their body allows them to play. You know what I mean? They're teaching them a style. They're not trying to fit like a square hole into a round peg. You know, I, I know we've all had those coaches that just kind of decided what you were at a certain point because they trained all their players in like a position group the same way. Mm-hmm. But you have you have so much more nuance about what di- every different position on a field does you know do you want your do you want your right tackle your strong side tackle to be mainly a run blocker and then you occasionally block you know they want to build these guys to be able to fit their schemes and they also want to build their schemes around what these guys can do well i think that's what makes the high school game so interesting and i think it makes it more of a challenge that people really give credit for um i i have nothing but the utmost respect for high school coaches because they really are molding the next generation of nfl players and college football players you know and I think the coaches that can identify a kid, his size with what he does well, you know, whether it's a bigger kid that has, you know, some surprising speed, you know what I mean? Or whether it's a smaller kid, you know, maybe in stature, but his fucking legs are like, you know, goddamn tree trunks. You know what I mean? There's, there's, you turn him into a stud running back, like a, like a Deuce Vaughn. You know, there's there's a lot of different ways where you can utilize that. And I think being able to have different coaches, have different mindsets, have different um different have like group think with other head coaches with how they would utilize a player like that kind of gives people a lot more possibilities because you know, coaches were tight lipped for a long time. Very tight lipped, especially successful ones. You know, you look at you look like a bell like a guy like Belichick, that's a relic, man. You know, you know he's not sharing anything with any other coaches that he doesn't either previously know or that he doesn't like really like whereas like you look at some of the younger coaches in the game today even in the pro game you know you know those guys are keeping in touch from week to week especially if they coach on a staff together and you know you know they're like hey i got this guy i don't know quite where he's gonna fit yet and you know you're getting that kind of suggestion back and forth that wasn't something that was totally normal in the nfl even as recent as like 10 years ago you know everyone wanted to kind of be a step ahead and while that's still normal today and i don't think the competitive edge is like that much different i think you have a lot more you have a lot more coaches in the league today all across all sports who just want to see guys succeed especially with raw talent you know what i mean and i think uh i think when you get group thought and i think when you see coaches work together to kind of help have that happen you see a lot of these kids get a lot more opportunities and you see them kind of fulfill their role a lot better. You know, I mean, imagine 
as much as I dislike the guy, imagine if Tyreek Hill was drilled to be a possession wide receiver in the slot. You know what I mean? Instead, he got coaching that said, hey, you're fast as fuck. We're going to put you on the outside, and you're just going to outrun everybody. Yeah, no, I, and I get what you're saying. Like, the collaborative effort is definitely different for sure, and I, I think, like, the evolution of schemes has helped a lot. Um, you know, I, Sorry, I ranted on there for a oh, minute. Oh, yeah, you're good. That's I, definitely you, you one of those topics. And I just want to make sure that I knew you meant collaborative effort. Groupthink is like a negative fucking term, but we don't have to get into – the psychology I get, I got what, what you were saying is what I'm saying. Um, the, I think the reality is like, yeah, it's just, everything has been enhanced from a young age. Um, you're understanding the, the mechanics of everything a lot differently. Um, different drills have been implemented, different workouts that are going to help explosive things. Um, and then you're right in terms of like the, the willingness to share, there is a lot less of the, you know, these coaches talk to each other all the time, um, for sure. So definitely, definitely on par there. Um, but we did just rant for a while there. We're an hour 10 in. Do you got anything else you want to cover or what else, what else did we have on the agenda today? No, I think, I think we got all, all of it about covered. I thought we did a really good job the last two episodes, really covering a lot of the guys that we really liked. Um, there's definitely a lot of different scenarios and I'm really excited to watch it all play out live. Um, on on the live stream that we're going to be doing next week um definitely recommend anybody even if you've never joined the chat before even if you think we'll just like blow your shit up like we have a guy i'm actually disappointed we didn't see him this episode but we have a guy from detroit who just pops in the chat and says detroit over everything like every episode <laughs> we love that guy that we don't agree with him but we love that guy you know what i mean like that's that's the type of shit we're looking for yeah dude he didn't show up today that sucks yeah. I mean, it is Friday night, late at night, so people probably have lives, and we needed to catch up on this show. So, oh come on, you think Don has a life? No offense. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you listen to the show. I'm glad you support it. Detroit fucking sucks. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really have a whole lot more. Um, I guess the only thing I would say is join our live stream next week. We're gonna start it up on Thursday. Gonna roll on Friday as well. We'll see about Saturday. I mean, honestly, dude, with how fun it was last year, I could have freaking done every single pick on a live stream because we just had an absolute blast. We should, um, without too much movement, too, we should have the bulk of all the good stuff in day two, right? Like, day yeah. one's obviously important. It's nice to have – be watching day one and knowing we have a pick. That's that's a big fucking plus for sure. Yeah, because um, it felt like last year we were just kind of being like, oh, the Bears maybe trade up here. We really like fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And like, I just, I remember my heart being broken when fucking Traylon Burks got drafted. But dude, day two, man, seeing, seeing Jaquan Brisker get drafted, man, I, uh, I about fucking jumped through my roof, man. That's, uh, that was an awesome moment. But yeah, no, definitely join us for that. And, um, when you're, when you're thinking a little bit too hard, ironically, I heard this on Bill Burr's podcast earlier and it fucking, dude, just makes me laugh anyway. But I thought he, I thought he made an awesome point. Um, when you're looking at your expectations of a player, just think of it this way. Do you want somebody to throw for 500 yards against Atlanta in November? Or do you want somebody that holds a Lombardi trophy in February? It's a great way to close it. I thought so too. All right. So that has been the barely there podcast. Like I've already plugged a million times. Be sure to join the live stream this week. Um, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, like the video if you like it. 
Uh, be sure to comment anytime. Even if you want to comment after the fact, I always am taking a peek over there. Uh, sometimes you guys just kind of fight each other, which is really entertaining to watch too. I kind of like it. Um, if I heart react you, um, it probably means that I, I, I like your energy, but you should probably uh, comment during the show. Um, also su subscribe over on Apple, Spotify, Google play, all that fun stuff. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at barely their pod. I've been Duke Coffin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke. As always, I'm joined by the Ayatollah of Capicola, the Swami of Salami, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him at LucasFetti46. We will see you for the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Bear down. Bear down.